Hey, it's Katie, and I'm here to help you befriend your mind, body, and soul. If you stick around with me long enough, you might find that you're a mindful soul too. Hi, and welcome to part two of a series on women and healthcare, where I'll be sharing my own experience earlier this year with iron deficiency as well as post-viral syndrome. So today I'll be sharing what I went through and what helped me, but as in last week's episode, before I dive in, I want to give a little trigger warning. If you are someone who deals with health anxiety, this episode may not be for you. Having unexplained physical symptoms can be very scary and anxiety-provoking, so if medical anxiety is something that you struggle with, you may want to skip these episodes. The other disclaimer I want to give, again, is that I'm not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice. I cannot guarantee that everything I share here is 100% accurate, so as I'm sharing about my personal experience and what helped me, that's all this is. If you ever have concerns about your mental or physical health, always speak to your own healthcare providers. So if you haven't listened to part one of this series, I invite you to pause here and go back to listen before continuing. Part of what we've been talking about is what happens when the medical field fails you and is not set up to thoroughly explore your concerns and help you figure out what's going on. It's important to do your own research, but careful and mindful research. Don't go down internet rabbit holes, seek out information that's well-established, research-based, or at least check multiple sources for yourself. And honestly, regarding this, it is so challenging to find accurate information anymore. In fact, I've heard it described that we are living in a post-truth era because you can literally find pretty much anything online to support your viewpoint. So. I really like to zoom out and look at all the information from a neutral and curious perspective. With the health issues I was dealing with, I took a combination approach of self-help with natural supplements and also running it by my doctor, but your situation is entirely unique, so you've got to do your own research in collaboration with your doctor. I've got to be honest, I've felt a bit nervous and reluctant to share my experience because the topic of COVID is so politically polarized here in the U.S. especially, which is really unfortunate because it leads to our inability to look at all sides from a rational and less emotionally reactive point of view. And as I'll be sharing more about, there is truth on all sides. This is not an either or thing. Nothing in reality is, and it's a great example of where dialectical thinking can help us prevent from going into extremes. I have a blog post on dialectical thinking that I'll link in the show notes if you want to learn more about what this is, but it's a powerhouse for problem solving and keeping a really flexible viewpoint on reality so that we can see truth on all sides. And dialectical thinking also teaches us that truth is ever-evolving, and that is exactly the case with COVID and things like the vaccine. Reality is unfolding in real time, and we still don't know everything about how either of these things impacts us over time. So trying to force a solid and defined truth about any of this stuff is really not helpful. 
Also, this episode is going deep into information about iron deficiency and post-viral syndrome because I'm hoping that some of you who have or are struggling with the same things may gather some information that can help spark your own further research and talk to your medical provider to further explore. Because again, we're working with a broken medical system, so we have to be our own best advocate and researcher. Okay, without further ado, I'll share my story from earlier this year when I was hit with these medical issues, which totally intersected with and mirrored mental health symptoms, particularly anxiety. And the first thing I want to say is that I am sending out major empathy to those of you who struggle with chronic health issues, whether it's something that lasted for six months or years or even a lifetime, chronic health issues are no joke. It's hard as fuck and it absolutely takes a toll on your mental health when you're trying to figure shit out, feel better and just live life. And to be honest, my experience was mild compared to what I've heard from many others. I've spent a lot of time in online forums gathering information about other people's experiences, and I've talked to so many friends and family members that have experienced post-viral stuff. And I know this is more common than people think or are even willing to talk about. I also want to highlight that this is not a discussion about vaccine or no vaccine, because from what I've learned, these symptoms can happen from both. So we really have to drop our all or nothing thinking about this. There are people who are having very negative symptoms after the vaccine and have even died. And there are people who are having horrible symptoms after COVID and obviously are dying. And so both sides have validity. So this is such a personal thing. Every person's physiology and biochemistry are entirely unique. So there's no one-size-fits-all solution in this case. And I want to really invite you to simply focus on when people are dealing with these difficult symptoms. Let's focus on how to help it, right? So before I dive in, it's important to include the context of the underlying chronic stress that I had been under leading up to these health issues. In the year leading up to this, I was in severe burnout at my job. I had just left a highly stressful work environment where I was carrying the workload of two people, working with a high-needs population, and the year before I had COVID twice. And illness, no matter how mild the symptoms, is a significant invisible stress on the body, which we'll dive into more. My aunt had nearly died of COVID in fall of 2022. Um, My cat had just died, and there were other things I won't go into that had my immune system preloaded to be vulnerable. Stress has a huge impact on our immune system which is why stress management really has to be a priority in our life. We can't avoid all stress. It's going to happen. But if we can have a skill set to better manage it, we're going to roll through it a little bit more smoothly. So in February of this year, newly self-employed, I started having these strange chest sensations and what felt like heart arrhythmias or palpitations. 
I was also experiencing dizziness, vertigo, and I was very easily winded just going up the stairs in my house. And I've experienced anxiety in my life before. I've had panic attacks a few times, especially in 2020, which was another year where a lot was happening in my life. But this felt like something different. So I ended up going to the ER on two occasions concerned that I might be having a stroke or a heart attack. And the whole time I was open-minded to the idea that anxiety might come up with medical providers. But like I mentioned, something felt different about what was happening with my heart rate. So the first time I went to the ER, everything was normal. However, my primary care doctor followed up on a thyroid blood test that was a little off and discovered that I had a significant iron deficiency without anemia. And I just have to say, I was very lucky that my primary care doctor was really helpful through most of this and happy to order needed tests. So she told me to start taking oral supplements, which I discovered later on through my own research was not going to be enough for the very low iron storage that I had. And a few weeks later, I was back in the ER and this time I had both a male doctor and a male nurse and I just knew that the experience was not going to be positive. So going in, the female techs told me that my EKG was abnormal. Then the male doctor told me it was normal. Remember last week when we talked about women being discharged in the middle of heart attacks? Yeah, <laughs> this is one of those examples where female symptoms are minimized or ignored. And the male nurse, who had a very condescending face and voice tone, gave me the typical female gaslighting, asking me if I was eating enough food or exercising too much, asking if I was having anxiety or drinking too much coffee. It didn't matter that I told him the truth, which was that none of those things were an issue, um, but they sent me home. So after this ER visit, my doctor ordered a 24-hour heart monitor and confirmed I was having a moderate level, 5% load, of PVCs, which are post-ventricular contractions or extra skipped heartbeats. So under 1% of irregular heart rhythms is normal. Later, I learned that over 20% is when next steps for intervention are considered. So I was at 5%. And I want to shift gears here a little bit to share what I learned about iron deficiency, how it can impact our cardiovascular health, and how the symptoms can really mirror anxiety or panic, and so many doctors miss it, or they dismiss it and minimize it. And I spent a lot of time reading people's stories online where their doctors had just ignored and missed this really important piece of their health, or refused to do anything about this, and it's pretty astonishing. So first of all, there are multiple blood tests that can check for various iron statuses in the body. And if you don't get the right tests, your doctor can't catch the problem. Even if you do get the right tests, many doctors don't think iron deficiency or a low ferritin score is a problem until you actually become anemic. So here's how it works. Our body stores iron in something called your ferritin score. And think of ferritin as your bank of iron. You want your bank account to be full. Your iron saturation lab work is simply how much iron is floating around in your bloodstream available for use, which is like how much cash you have in your wallet. You don't want to judge your wealth on what you have in your wallet. 
but many doctors just look at your iron saturation to determine if you're fully anemic and completely ignore ferritin. When your ferritin levels go down to zero, no storage in the bank, that's when you go into anemia, which over time can definitely kill you as it's directly tied to cardiac function and having enough blood in your body. One thing I learned is that iron is the most important mineral in our body, so much so that our body does not have a natural mechanism to excrete it if you have too much of it. Our body only tries to hang on to it or use it, so you can get too much iron, which is a different problem, and why you don't want to start supplementing iron without having your levels thoroughly checked. So iron is used in almost every chemical process in the body. It builds blood, muscles, hormones. It's used to fight off infections, which I'm going to get into in a minute because getting viral infections like COVID will deplete your iron stores. Low ferritin scores, even without anemia, can cause dizziness, brain fog, heart palpitations, and anxiety-like symptoms, air hunger, which is feeling like you can't get a deep enough breath. Again, I've linked a bunch of articles in the show notes, but I encourage you to do your own research and talk to your doctor about these things. So here's one of those situations where it's very easy for a doctor to just tell a woman she's being anxious, when in fact her ferritin score is way too low. Now, here's the crazy thing. The normal range for ferritin is super wide. In, it varies depending on the medical practice you go to, from 24 nanograms per milliliter to 305 nanograms per milliliter. But what I discovered in all my research is that many people can start having symptoms under 150 nanograms per milliliter. So doctors will be telling you you're in the normal standardized range, but you absolutely are not in the normal range for your physiology. Remember, every body is so unique and different, it really cannot be standardized completely. So here's where the insurance companies won't pay for a treatment or providers won't do more thorough workups because you're technically in the standard range. So my ferritin score was 14. In other words, my bank was almost empty, and no wonder I was feeling like shit. So how does iron deficiency happen? One major factor which impacted me is being a lifelong vegetarian. There are vegan sources of iron, but you have to supplement and be very conscious to be sure you get enough of it. Most iron comes from animal products. And still, I had gone my whole life as a vegetarian without dipping into that problem range. So what else can impact iron levels? As I mentioned earlier, viruses. So I had had COVID twice the previous year. My immune system had worked hard for me, most likely using up extra iron stores I had. And viruses deplete a lot of other nutrients as well, like B12 and B vitamins which impacts our nervous system. That's our brain and what controls our heart rate and all of those things. So one of those examples where our mental health is so connected to our physical health, nutrients feed our brain so it can work properly. Um, and I'll share a little bit more post-COVID what I did to replenish my nutrients. 
because I also ended up with some neurological seizure-like symptoms after my third round of COVID. So coming back to what else causes iron deficiency, things like long-term use of proton pump inhibitors. So those are antacids, things like Prilosec or Zantac or Pepsid. Fun fact, iron needs acidity to absorb. Other things that cause iron deficiency, menstruating women are more likely to have it due to blood loss, surgeries due to blood loss, pregnancy, chronic inflammation. And I literally never knew about any of this and I learned it all through self-study. My doctor did not educate me on any of it and I actually educated her on a lot. So thankfully, after my second trip to the ER, after all of my studying, I requested an iron infusion instead of oral supplements, and she was willing to order me one. So I got 1,000 milligrams of Dextran straight into the bloodstream, which takes about one or two months for your body to start fully putting it to use. You can increase your ferritin score through oral supplementation, but it takes a long time time, especially if you're very low. It can take a year or more. And you have to take iron very specifically with a lot of vitamin C on an empty stomach away from coffee in order for it to be absorbed well. Again, all things my medical provider never educated me on. So three days after my iron infusion, I contracted COVID for the third time. Typical flu-like symptoms for a couple weeks, nothing major, but I never started feeling like my normal self. And apparently, according to my doctor, I was immune compromised when I contracted it due to the iron deficiency, which set me up to have some post-viral symptoms, also known as long COVID. Something to know here is that there are no diagnosable measures for post-viral syndrome, so Most doctors won't fully acknowledge or diagnose this, but some will share what they've commonly seen in patients post-COVID. And basically what I came to understand is when your body goes into such a big immune response, no matter how mild your symptoms were, there's a lot of invisible stuff going on in your body. It takes a toll on many systems. People are reporting such a wide variety of strange and weird symptoms post-COVID and post-vaccine. And here's one of those cases where many doctors don't take either seriously, and it's often stigmatized as a mental health or somatic issue. Again, it's not their fault. This is all unfolding. Many doctors just don't know and they aren't specialized in infectious disease recovery. So like I said, a lot of this stuff is seen in other viral recoveries as well. It's not new. So this is where mindful self-education can again be your friend. Keep in mind, you will find a lot of conflicting information out there. So my approach is to look at both the standard medical institution or pharmaceutical approach and equally look at the more holistic naturopathic routes, preferring to try those to the fullest extent first um, because there's truth and value on all sides of things and there is junk on all sides too. So it gets tricky. Okay, 
Let me share the symptoms that I was having. You may relate to many of these if you've also experienced post-viral syndrome. So I was experiencing the typical brain fog. This is commonly reported. I was having memory problems, word retrieval problems. I think the scariest part for me was when my partner Mark mentioned two of our good friends that we've known for years. And when he said their names, I had no recollection in my brain. It's like that piece of information was just gone. And a lot of the research that I was reading says post-viral syndrome looks like an early Alzheimer's. So the brain is definitely affected. And so the brain fog was a big part for me. I also had um, crazy tinnitus. My ears were ringing, um, dizziness. There was also the chronic fatigue. This is another thing that many people talk about where you can, you know, barely stand up and move around. There's a term called post-exertional malaise, which is once you do anything with exertion, you're just like wiped out for hours or maybe even days. And so you have to take things very slow. And again, this was all happening after my acute illness, right? This was like weeks after I had been sick. One of the scariest things that kicked in for me was what I can only describe as an internal nerve buzzing at night. So it felt like my insides were vibrating and buzzing, my brain, you know, down through my organs. And it also kind of felt like maybe the feeling at the beginning of a seizure when I would lay down. It was like my brain would start buzzing. And I did a lot of research on this. This is a symptom people are experiencing. Um, People with chronic fatigue have also reported this sort of internal buzzing or vibration sensation. And of course, this was something that I felt so nervous to talk to my doctor about because I was like, she's going to think I'm losing my mind, right? <laughs> like, excuse me, what? And sure enough, you know, she was like, had no idea what to say to that, but she did do some further testing for me, thankfully. And this buzzing, it would wake me up repeatedly throughout the night. It would wake me out of my sleep. And so these are some neurological symptoms that I was experiencing. Insomnia was a part of this where, you know, I just couldn't go to sleep. There were many nights where I couldn't sleep all night long, both because of the like the brain buzzing. That's the only way I can describe it. Or because my heart rate was still going into these really weird kind of palpitations or high or low heart rate beats. I had some air hunger that continued, which I'll share in a bit, is related to an overactive histamine response that is basically happening because your immune system is still on fire, right? The other thing that I experienced was these ongoing heart palpitations and heart rate spikes. So I would be laying still in bed and my pulse would jump up to 130 all of a sudden and maybe 15 minutes or an hour later go back to a resting 60, 70, 80 beats per minute. And there were a couple of times that I didn't sleep all night because my pulse was stuck at 120, 130, just racing while I was laying flat, breathing calmly. 
Um, and then there were periods of times that I would also have a very low heart rate, like 40 beats per minute, which you don't want to get much lower than that. Um, and the term that I learned is dysautonomia, where your nervous system isn't regulating your autonomic functions as it normally would. And as I was talking to my friends about this, I have numerous friends who have shared similar issues. These are all female friends with their heart rate after the vaccine as well as after COVID. So when I finally got to see a cardiologist like five months in after many tests, as well as after pushing my doctor to let me see a cardiologist, she sort of reluctantly said, okay, you can talk to a cardiologist, which again highlights the need for you to really advocate for what you're needing. Because she had seen my test results with the irregular heartbeats, but she didn't really explain anything to me or know what to say about it. And so it kind of blew my mind that it wouldn't be an automatic cardiologist referral. He shared that he was seeing many female patients between 20 and 40 years old experiencing the same heart rate issues post-virus. And he acknowledged that he believes the virus somehow impacted hormones because it was primarily women that he, were, he was seeing. Hormones control your heart rate, by the way, something I didn't know before. And so the way he described it was that COVID and or the vaccine takes the brakes off your heart. And of course, this is a very individualized thing because everyone's different and everyone's immune system and biology is different. So some people may experience absolutely nothing while other people end up with different complications. And there are so many women that are also reporting that their menstrual cycles have changed and even going into early menopause post-virus and post-vaccine. So there's a hormonal thing that's happening. Again, this is all still unfolding and nobody knows exactly yet how it's all working. So as I shared earlier, this was so scary for me. It felt like my body was shutting down. I mean, when your heart rate is out of control, when you're having seizure-like symptoms whenever you try to relax and go to sleep, I was genuinely wondering if I was ever going to be the same and return to my normal self. Um, I'm not going to lie, there were times when I wondered if I was going to die. You know, you see these news stories, people are having strokes and young, healthy people are having some of these very serious heart issues that can lead to death. And so not only did some of these symptoms feel like physiological anxiety, but in a very weird and different kind of way, having them to begin with was anxiety provoking. So having a skill set to navigate the anxiety through this literally saved me. Before I go into what helped me recover, I'll share the good news here which is that for most people, these symptoms usually subside over time, more so for the recent strains than the original strains, which really took a toll on people, some of which people are dealing with what look like permanent, really long-term symptoms. But typically now with the newer variants, it can take up to six months or even a year or more though for your system to really get back to baseline. Okay. Let's finally dive into what helped me. Um, what I've learned is that long COVID or post-viral syndrome acts on multiple channels in the body, 
One that's similar to an autoimmune disease where your immune system is so flared, it starts attacking the body itself. And this happens on one level as something called mast cell activation syndrome, which is a histamine sensitivity. Basically, your body starts having histamine reactions to things you eat that may have never caused a problem for you before. So it like goes on attack mode because it was just fighting a massive war and it thinks it needs to stay in attack mode. So when you have a histamine reaction, you might feel that shortness of breath, dizziness and heart palpitations. And what helped me, which I learned from self-research, was taking both an H1 and H2 histamine blocker. So H1 histamine blockers are things like Zyrtec, Benadryl, or Claritin. H2 histamine blockers are things like Pepsid-AC, which is also an antacid, but it blocks histamine absorption in the gut. And I noticed a huge difference when I started taking these histamine blockers. COVID also seems to change your sympathetic or autonomic nervous system, which controls your heart rate, your breathing, your sweating and digestion. And I found a lot of information out there that they find these spike proteins, which are in both the virus and the vaccine, they do cross the blood-brain barrier. So they're finding inflammation in the brain as well as spike proteins in tissues all throughout the body in autopsies. And so our amazing immune system, in attempts to remove these spike proteins and clear the virus from our body, develop these microclots around the debris, which leads to slightly thicker blood and poorer circulation which then impacts the brain and pretty much all regulatory systems in the body. And sadly, this is what leads to strokes for many people. So one thing that I tried on my own, my doctor did not recommend this because using blood thinners also has a risk, especially for certain people, but I still wanted to try it after doing a ton of research, is taking low-dose baby aspirin. So like a very low dose daily. And I only took it for three or four weeks because I wanted to give it a test. Um, thinning my blood to help clear my system out a little bit more. And I journaled my symptoms to really test each of the things that I tried. And taking the baby aspirin really helped my brain fog. It, like day two, I noticed a drastic difference. So here's something very amazing and cool that I want to share. The other thing I discovered and used is a natural supplement called NATO kinase which is an ancient Japanese supplement that has been shown to dissolve dead proteins in the body. And there's also one study that showed it dissolves spike proteins in a lab environment. So no research in humans to show this yet. But again, I was taking my own natural approach to testing natural over-the-counter things that felt safe enough for me. And this supplement has been around for a long time. It's also been used for treatment of cysts and fibroids as it dissolves them. So let me tell you, after taking this supplement for about a week, 
the internal seizure-like buzzing that I was having stopped completely. And my assumption is that natokinase potentially dissolved any remaining debris from the virus that may have been in my nervous system, which was why the nerve tremors stopped for me. So I have no way to prove this, of course, but I've got to share what I think helped me and what I found in a lot of forums helped other people as well. And like I said, there is the one study that showed that natokinase dissolved the spike proteins um, in a lab environment. So natokinase is also known to thin the blood. So again, you should always consult your doctor before trying any natural supplement. It's also made of fermented soy protein, and some people can't consume that or have more of a histamine reaction to that. So another option I found was something called serapeptase, which acts similarly, and it actually comes from the silkworm. It's what helps dissolve their cocoon. So it also dissolves dead proteins in the body. And it's pretty fascinating what's available to us from natural sources if we do a little research. And I'm convinced that this is all stuff the pharmaceutical industry obviously does not want us to know about. You know, my doctor offered me um, a number of medications to treat the nerve buzzing, you know, like Lyrica stuff for nerve pain and these drugs that are treating symptoms, but really not looking at what is the underlying cause and how can we actually treat the underlying cause, right? So the other thing that helped me is going on anti-inflammatory lifestyle for about three months. No alcohol, no coffee. I did red light therapy at a local tanning salon three times a week, which has been shown to reduce inflammation. I started taking spirulina supplement, which is a really powerful antioxidant, detoxifier, anti-inflammatory, and I ended every shower each day with two minutes of as cold of water as I could take, taking deep breaths. You've probably heard about cold plunges. They're super powerful for anti-inflammation and regulating the nervous system. And what I learned is that retraining the nervous system was a big part of recovering, teaching your heart rate how to regulate itself again. So I stopped any intense exercise and did only slow yoga. Anytime that I would try to exercise, my heart rate would go up to like 180. It literally couldn't handle it. So I really had to slow things down. Stretching, Tai Chi. Because of the fatigue, it's just what felt better, and I read a lot about the importance of resting your body, but still doing gentle movements to retrain your nervous system how to regulate itself. As I already mentioned, repleting nutrients after a virus is really key. We have to restock on all the things our body used. So for me, that required an iron infusion after my first two rounds of COVID. Two vitamin IVs. I went to some local, you know, like med spa places where I could get those because that's not something your doctor's going to order you. I also did multiple B12 injections with a local holistic provider. As I mentioned earlier, B12 and its other, the other B vitamins all work really hard when we have a virus or an illness. And 
Remember that depletion in B12 and other B vitamins can cause problems with nerve functioning. Take in those omega-3s, vitamin D, and just really focusing on healthy, balanced diet with lots of variety. You cannot underestimate the importance of nutrient-dense foods and supplements. Much of our food here in the United States is empty of actual nutrients because our soil has been depleted of nutrients. So it's very challenging to get all your needed nutrients from diet alone. And as I mentioned earlier, these are the literal building blocks for our brain, for the neurons that are regulating our heart rate and all of those other things that we need to freaking live, right? I also supplemented with something called glutathione, which is the body's natural detoxifier. I focused on gut health, so I had kombucha, taking pre and probiotics. And here's something really cool that I learned more about through this process I wanted to share with you. Did you know that you have a second brain in your stomach? There are 200 million neurons, which are brain cells, in your gut and intestines. And in fact, a majority of your serotonin is created in your gut. And our gut health directly impacts our mental health. It's thought that post-viral syndrome has a significant impact on the gut as well. And many people report digestive problems as part of the experience. It's also thought to impact serotonin channels, as there's many reports of these very weird anxiety and depression symptoms in post-viral syndrome. And I'm describing this for myself. It felt like not normal depression and anxiety. The only way I can describe it is feeling like my brain was inflamed and my gut was queasy all the time. So you know, addressing your gut microbiome, giving it what it needs is an important part, I believe. Something that absolutely blew my mind is that there are actually strains of probiotics that have been shown in research to specifically benefit your mental health. They're called psychobiotics, which I think sounds really cool. Um, so that's another thing to look into. I've linked this in the show notes. These are probiotics that can increase that serotonin production, and they've actually done studies that have shown how they've improved people's mental health. So all of this being said, I am really lucky to be feeling much better, and I'm very privileged to have been able to get the support I did from my doctor. Um, as well as my friends and family. She, my doctor, helped me rule out all kinds of things and did every possible test from a brain MRI to a heart echogram. And I think ruling out more serious life-threatening things in these cases can be so helpful to at least ease the anxiety and then focus on what you can do to heal and cope with the distress of it all. And this is really where mindfulness saved me. And in next week's episode, I'm going to share with you how I got through the emotional aspects of all of this, as well as some of the research on mindfulness and coping with chronic pain or chronic health issues. I really hope this episode was useful to you. Don't hesitate to reach out to me personally with your experiences or any additional questions you may have. I'm always happy to connect. 
On that note, be well, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Ready to start your mindful soul journey? Sign up for my free life balance workbook linked in the show notes and come hang out with me on my email list. Can't wait to see you there. 